Hello, everyone, and welcome to the first episode of our spooky month for 2022. This is episode number 128 of the Malthouse Games podcast, a podcast all about board games, card games, tabletop games, role-playing games, dice games, things of that sort. With me today is my lovely wife and yellow player, Haley. My name is Delton. I'll be your host. I am having a happy 120 great episode because it's spoopy ween, y'all. And even though I've had my pumpkins for about five weeks now, I think Delton will finally allow me to put my ha- the rest of my Halloween decorations up. Uh, Yeah, we're recording this just before October, but this will come out October 2nd. I have had my bat wreath up since about uh, August 28th. And it's still upside down. It's still upside down, but you know what? It's up there. The bats don't know. They hang upside down anyway. It's nature. It's science. But they're flying. They don't fly upside down. They probably do at some point. Bats are crazy. They are crazy. They are my friends. Hand me that bottle open there. Today, being the first episode of the Halloween spooky October month, uh, we are both having our own beer. Not at all, because we have no other beer in the house uh, that we've had on the podcast or anything. This, I don't know, we might have had this at some point in time, too, but we're both having one full beer, so you're, you're going to get one beer review now, and that's going to be it. But but it's an 8%, so... Yes, this is 8% alcohol by volume. This is Pumpkin Ale from Schlafly. You guys might not be getting your bang for your buck listening to just one beer review, but by God, we are with 8% beer. Schlafly is out of St. Louis, Missouri. Uh, this is an ale brewed with pumpkin and spices added. It's a 12-ounce bottle. Uh, where's the thing on that thing? Schlafly Pumpkin Ale blends the spices of the harvest with the full-bodied sweetness. Sorry, with full-bodied sweetness for a beer that tastes like pumpkin pie. Here's to pumpkin season. You know what else is a full-body sweetness? Margie. You. Ayo. Gross. Get out of here. Anyway, it is a very, uh, kind of a little bit of a red tone to the amber. It's like an ambered-colored ale with a little bit of a red to brownish red. I think it's a pumpkin colored ale. You can smell the like pumpkiny. You can smell the spices. It smells like real pumpkin. Like you open up a can of pumpkin and you stick your nose in it. That's what it smells like. It smells like they even have a little bit of coriander. They sure do. They put literal pumpkin spice in this. My inner basic girl is happy. This one, unlike the dogfish head pumpkin ale, this one's a little more turned up on the pumpkin where like this is definitely the white girl pumpkin spice beer where Pumpkin Ale from Dogfish Head is a toned down version. I prefer the Dogfish Head in terms of what I'm wanting to just sit and have a pumpkin beer. But this one's still a very good beer. This one's just like a little sweeter on the tongue, a little more spiced. You know what I mean? But uh, it's a very good beer, though. It's a nice, like, clean mouthfeel. There's not too much carbonation. I like it because come October, I turn very basic. I'm going to wear my big ass knitted scarf or my blanket scarf. And everything I consume is pumpkin flavored. That's just, that's just, I'm in my element. I am 100% basic. I used to fight it in my early 20s, but now I'm like, no, these things make me happy. I'm a basic girl with my pumpkin spice every October. Accept me for who I am. Let me drink a pumpkin beer. Let me live my life. Let everyone else live their life. Delton, what have you been doing to live your life lately? Uh, uh, reading comic books. That's about my only answer, I think. Uh, it's been, we, we've, we've had a pretty chill time since last episode. Uh, last episode released when we went to Zach and Sarah's to stay in Tulsa, got to have lunch with Kyle that Sunday. Um, that was just a very good weekend of hanging out with friends, visiting, having a good time. I got to go to the happiest place on earth on the Oklahoma State Fairgrounds. Which is? I got to go to Disney on Ice at the Oklahoma State Fair. That sounds exhausting. It was exhausting. 
I was one of two people in the entire building, two people in the entire building who was wearing a mask. And at one point we made direct eye contact across the arena. And like we had a moment of understanding and of mutual concern. And we went back to our watching of the Disney on ice with all the little children's. I mean, that sounds correct to me. Did not get one COVID's. Which is very good. Did not get a single COVID for the entire state fair. <laughs> nice. And there were many opportunities, believe me. You got to do that. We got to see Zach and Sarah. And then this last weekend, we actually went down to Dallas. Uh, on Friday, I took off work. We woke up, had breakfast, got finished getting around, and uh, we had somebody coming, staying to watch the house, to watch Margie and the cats for the night. Shout out to Steven. Shout out to Steven. Watching Steve. But we drove down to Dallas for a concert. Uh, I'm a fan of a band called Porcupine Tree out of England, and they released an album this summer called Closure Continuation, and they said that they're not sure if they're going to keep touring and making music or not. This might be the end. It might not. They're not really sure because they do all these other projects on the side. So they did a tour. I think they only did 12 United States uh, stops, and one of them was Dallas. I was not going to miss my only chance to go see them. So we got to go down to Dallas. And watched them live, which was a fantastic show uh, for a 53, 59, and 64-year-old as the main three members who are the originals, uh, not including their touring guitarist and bassist, uh, for those guys to spend two hours and 40 minutes on stage performing with a 20-minute break in the middle. uh, That's insane. It was so good. Great concert. Great show. And then Delton gave me a 24-ounce hard seltzer and a credit card, so he ended up getting... Haley bought me the signed lithograph. Uh, the last one that they sold where they have like the dates of where the show was and stuff on the back. And so it's actually of their album In Absentia. That's probably probably my favorite. But the problem is this new album's really good. So it now might be my second favorite. But I got to find a frame because it's an 18 by 18, which is a funky size for frames. You know the secret now is either blink, 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 or give me a 24 ounce seltzer and a credit card and you're golden. You get whatever call you it want. A day. Call it a day. <laughs> and I got a t-shirt. Haley got me a shirt as well. You did get a t-shirt. But we got to do that, which was awesome. We got to see Jesse and Catherine on the way back up through Denton. Pulled off and had breakfast at Spyro with them and then went to a little like comic and games and whatnot shop. We were like, oh, yeah, we'll meet up, be able to have breakfast and we'll stop at the shop real quick and then head out. Uh, we meet them at like 1015 and then about two o'clock. We're finally leaving Denton. So whenever they were leaving to go to their blacksmith bl- class, yeah, blacksmithing class, which is wild and amazing. They are some cool people. It was a very good time. We haven't got to see them in quite a while in person. So very, very awesome. I guess it was last BGG con. We saw Jesse, but Catherine, it had been years, I feel like, but very awesome to get to see them and, and hang out. You would remember Jesse from episode 122. Yes. We interviewed Jesse on the podcast, uh, but we got to see them do that. Come home, have a weekend. Uh, it's been a good time. Just busy work week. Yeah. We got to see my friend Lee this week. We've got to see Allison this week. We're throwing a baby shower this weekend for Allison, she is three months away. She's in her third trimester as of Monday. So happy baby third trimester to Patreon supporter and Malt House Games number one fan. Allison is now number 1.5 fan. There you go. I guess that's true. Almost two, almost two fan. Number two fan? 2.0. 2.0. There you go. Almost. But yes, that, that's a good segue there. Shout out to our amazing Patreon patrons who back at a level in which they get shouted out on the podcast. Thank you so much to Allison, Alan, Jennifer, and Cliff. You all are awesome. We appreciate you and every other one of our patrons, past and present and future. If you want to be like any of them, head to patreon.com slash malthouse games uh, to check out our different levels and all that kind of fun stuff. But yes, we've had a pretty chill time. 
Uh, I've been reading a bunch of comics. We started watching Reservation Dogs, which is hilarious and ex- is so very Oklahoma. Um, anything else crazy? I'm playing some games. Oh, here's the door. Uh, uh. It's straight ahead. It's it's a game. So the game of this episode is Marvel United X-Men. This is kind of a weird one here. This is the only is this the only superhero game I own. I'm doing a quick review. I think since you got rid of the DC deck builder, I think it is the only superhero game that you own, unless you count your Watchmen hero clicks over there. Uh, I kept those because I sold all my hero clicks, even the ones now that I'm like, eh, I kind of wish I had that one or that one because they were cool. But I kept my Watchmen set uh, because I freaking love Watchmen. Um, anyway, I, I think this is my only superhero game now. Since I've started reading comic books, I've discovered why I'm not into all the comic stuff out today. There's two reasons. A, I think the movies are bad. And B, I just don't care for the characters that are all the popular movies. And by comic stuff, you mean the superhero movies. I mean the superhero movies, the mar- mo- more specifically the Marvel movies, uh, like the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I just like the characters aren't the ones that grabbed me. I grew up with Tobey Maguire, Spider-Man. Those were super fun back in the day. Batman's still cool. I watched the Batman and liked it. But since I started reading comics and getting into my comics and stuff, I have discovered where my love in superheroes is. Aside from Batman, it's X-Men. By far, it's X-Men. And I was like, you know, I'm a big... I've always loved Colossus. I've always thought Gambit was cool as shit. Like, there's a bunch of characters. And even though I've never really read those comics, I've always enjoyed the characters. I loved the X-Men movies back in the day. Uh, Recently, finally got to watch Logan, which was phenomenal. Uh, And so doing that has been kind of fun for me to go, oh, that's why I don't care for all of this. (laughs) Because I just think that a lot of the modern movies aren't very good. And I think some of the heroes like uh, Captain America are boring for me. And I think that's what it really comes down to. Anyway, I figured that out, out. I was browsing Reddit and I'm a big proponent of supporting either your local game store or the companies themselves who make games if they sell them on their website. This is an instance where I bought from Amazon. <laughs> it is something I have. When was the last time I bought a game from Amazon? Oh God, a, I can't even remember. A year and a half, two years ago. It's been a long time. It's been a long time. I don't, I don't do that pretty much ever uh, unless there's a really, really great deal. Hence why I have Marvel United X-Men. Uh, Reddit had a thing. It was on sale. It was $10 for a game that's normally 40 as retail. I thought, okay, for $10, it's kind of these cool chibi X-Men. It's a cooperative game. This can be an easy one if someone comes over and says, I'm not really into board games. It's like, well, do you like do you like X-Men at all? Do you like superhero stuff? We have this cooperative game that looked not too difficult, and it's kind of a theme that's a little more accepted nowadays, I feel like. So I said, why not? We'll give this thing a try. So Marvel United X-Men is published for, by Spin Master and Simon, um, which I actually found out they changed their name to, it's officially pronounced Kaman, which is really dumb. Not in my house. I think it's, or it's, yeah, because we always called it Simon because it was Cool Mini or not. And now I think it's Kaman, which is very, Simon sounds way better. Not in this house, it is not. As for me and my house, we will say Simon. Yeah, I like Simon. That's what I like. Anyway, uh, the game design is Andrea Chiarvesio, Francesco Seta, and Eric Lang. The lead producer is Thiago Aranja. The art director is Matthew Harlout. The lead artist is Edward Guitone. The lead graphic design is Max Duarte. The sculpting was by Big Child Creatives. The proofreading was Jason Cope, and the uh, publisher was David Preddy. So in Marvel United X-Men, which I'm just going to call X-Men, 
Mar- or I guess I'll just call it Marvel United because they have the regular Marvel stuff where it's Captain America and Red Skull and I think Hulk and like a bunch of the common Hulk stuff, Hogan. right? No, not Hulk Hogan. Uh, they have the regular Marvel United version not along brother. with a shit ton of expansions. This is the X-Men specific character version uh, that also has a shit ton of expansions. They had a massive Kickstarter recently, a year or two ago now, that was nothing but this game and all the stuff for it. So Marvel United X-Men is a cooperative game uh, that also has rules for a solo mode and a supervillain mode where one person can control the bad character, the villain, and the other players are all the heroes trying to defeat the villain. But uh, we have not played those two modes. We've just played the standard, and we will just talk about that regular game. So the way the game's going to work, there are going to be six locations uh, laid out in a circle around the supervillain card, like little base thing, that's got some missions you can complete that you have to complete to be able to actually harm the supervillain. It has the supervillain's card. Each villain's card has special rules text for the game, Anytime an overflow happens, which I can talk about, each one has a special rule, different things like that. There's also going to be some cards for the villain. And then all the players are going to be putting their minis and having a little deck of cards. And uh, essentially, you'll move in a circle around those six locations. Each location has some sort of challenge card, whether that be a place to spend certain resources or uh, another like lackey for the villain that you have to beat up something like that. Uh, But essentially, you're going to be playing the game, moving around, rescuing civilians, beating up thugs, trying to beat up other lackeys, possibly spending some resources until you're able to successfully defeat the villain or lose to the villain like we did the first game. But the game is very simple. You have a little deck of cards. You're going to start the game uh, with a hand of three cards. On your turn, you draw a card, play a card, Resolve the actions, which are moving, dealing damage, rescuing a civilian, or placing a token on different challenges. I can't think of what they're called. Threats, different threats. And there's a wild effect symbol as well. Once you do all of that, uh, all you do is basically end your turn. Some locations, if the threat has been dealt with there, has a special uh, action that happens or a special effect at the end of the turn if you are there, and then it goes to the next player. And that's really the whole game. The whole game's not a very complex one. It's pretty simple all in all. There's different cool things going on, but one of the things that I enjoyed about it is the way that your actual actions work. Whenever you play a card on your turn, each of your cards will have any combination of a special effect, just some symbols, either the move, deal damage, the star symbol, which is for rescue or heroic or the wild. It'll have those symbols or it'll have both. And what I like is on your turn, you resolve your entire card, but then you get not only any symbols on your card, but you also get symbols on the previous card that some other player has played. Not the villain, but the other player's hero cards. And I find that this is a really cool little mechanic because if somebody comes in and says, oh, I'm going to play this card that gives me two movement, so I can move very far before doing something like prepping for their next turn. That allows you to say, okay, I've got two movement. Instead of playing this card that has movement, I can instead play this card uh, that has just two, you know, like two damage symbols. So that way I can already have the movement and I'll be able to to do more damage uh, before I move or after I move. And so I really like the way that that plays together kind of has this feeling of like teamwork that you would expect. And I thought that was pretty neat too. The way you're supposed to lay those cards out is actually in a giant circle around the six locations and the villain on the board. 
or on the table, which kind of provides this timeline comic book panel sort of feel. Yeah, it looks just like a, a comic book panel. You can follow it all around, which we did ours uh, more in a comic book style. We did a row, a row, a row. But it's really neat to be able to follow because you see, oh, this person attacks here. This person reacts. This person attacks. The super villain comes and attacks. And it's just really fun to see it play out that way. I thought that was clever. It's really neat. And the, it's actually called the storyline, which I think is fun. Basically, what happens in the base game, every three hero turns, the villain then gets to after those three turns, gets to play one of their cards and do all kinds of bad stuff. The villains have like a, it's essentially a big move and it's signified by the BAM little onomatopoeia thing. That's the logo for the BAM. And so that's always something bad that ends up putting a bunch of thugs out or doing something bad or hurting everybody or whatever. But the game's really not too difficult. We played with Magneto as the villain. Haley was Jean Grey and I was Wolverine. If you're curious on this game, you can play as either Wolverine, Cyclops, Storm, Jean Grey, Professor X, Beast, Mystique, and Magneto. Mystique and Magneto can also be the villain. And then the two that can only be the villain is Sabretooth and Juggernaut. Now, obviously, you could play as Sabretooth or Juggernaut if you play in the super villain mode where one player controls the villain. But Mystique and Magneto are considered anti-heroes. And so you can play them either as the hero side or the villain side. In a bunch of the expansions, they add others. I kind of like literally for the only reason is to be able to get Colossus that I want to get the gold team box expansion so I can then play as Colossus uh, and have him in there. But that's really like the entire game. Uh, it's pretty interesting. Each location can only have so many people on it. And by people, I mean the civilians and thugs. They take up the same spaces. Each location only has so many spaces available. If you ever have to add either a civilian or a thug to one of the spaces and it's full, it causes an overflow, which triggers the bam bad effect from the villain. And some of them, like Magneto, have a very bad one where if it overflows, it flips the civilians and turns them into thugs on it and the adjacent two locations. And Magneto's trigger for winning the game is if there are no civilians out on the board. So you actually don't want to rescue civilians, at least not a lot of them. You want to keep them out at some point. And so we actually lost the first game by just having kind of bad luck, but also not 100% understanding how we should approach it. Also, for as easy as this game is, I do want to give the game and maybe even us some credit too. It is kind of difficult to win. The last game that we played, the one that we won, it, it wasn't a walk in the park. Even though we, we understood the game more, uh, we had a better understanding of our roles and where we could move and how we can help each other in it. It still was difficult to win. It really was. One of the things I like is the randomness in this game. The unknown information is strictly the cards that you have to play and the cards that the villain has. That's it. There's no dice rolling. There's none of that. If you look at your hand of cards and you've got so many different movement options or fighting options or special options or you're wild, then you know what you have. The only thing you don't know is the card you're going to draw next and you don't know what villain's card is going to come out. The villain cards essentially are going to move the villain, most likely. They're going to either trigger the BAM effect or not. And then they're going to place thugs on either its location or the adjacent ones to it or all of them like that. And uh, it's really neat because that's all. So when you're looking at the board, you're like, okay, well, how much do we need? How much damage can I do? Well, you look at how much damage is on the cards in your hand. You know, that's how you figure that stuff out. And I find that to be very nice to have. Uh, I don't mind... I don't mind dice rolling in a lot of games for the most part, resolving things like combat, but it's nice in a cooperative game that's got some challenge to it that you're not relying on dice rolls 
where you could just get bad, 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 bad. You're relying on card play where you can more easily, what's the term, uh, mitigate that. But I find that to be really interesting. One of the things that I liked a lot in this game, actually, that I found to be very good was uh, the way damage is done. The villain and like a thug takes one damage and a thug's gone. The main villain has so much life, just depending on each villain. And then the like smaller lackeys that can be on the threat cards at each location, they can also have a certain amount of life. Like the blob had five. And then I think, I can't think of the other guy that was one of the, uh, lackeys with Magneto and his set of cards. Um, but he had four and the other one of his had four, but those are easy. One, one of your damage symbols is just one of those damage. That's nice and simple all across. Right. But I like when the heroes take damage, when you as a player take damage, you actually have to discard a card from your hand to the bottom of your deck. I like that you don't lose the card, which is really nice, but I also like that it just, it it goes away from your hand because in this game, If you ever lose all the cards from your hand, that is when you are knocked out, you're KO'd, and you tilt your little character over, and essentially you have to just not have a turn, or end your turn there, then your next turn, you can stand your character back up, you draw a fresh set of four cards, and you're ready to go. But I actually like thematically how that works, because if you've watched any superhero movie, whether it be, I don't even know the oldest superhero movie that I've seen, but like early 2000s Spider-Man, the original Hulk, the original Iron Man, there's always the moment in a big thing where they're out, down and out, and then suddenly they come back and they have the edge. And that's how this felt. Every time you were knocked out, it felt like you immediately came back and had an edge because you had a new hand of four cards and all this stuff, you're ready to go. And uh, the bad part is every time you get knocked out, it triggers the villain's bam effect. The good news is you do not get good or bad effects when you're knocked out. You're like immune from them all. But I really liked the fact that when you take damage, you lose a card from your hand. And if you're ever out of cards in your hand, that's when you get knocked out and you basically have to take the rest of your turn off or whatever. Knocked all the sense out of you. Exactly. I found that to be very fun for me. But that's really, I mean, the game doesn't have much more complexity than that. As you play it, there is challenge to the game. When should I do this? When should I do that? Well, should I go here and do this or go here and do that? And there's a lot of, for us, communication and whatnot. But I'm interested in trying the other characters to see how they work. Each character has some special cards. Uh, Wolverine had cards that are just strictly, they were his adamantium claws cards where he just does damage, damage, damage. Uh, Jean Grey had a thing where she could essentially swap a card with one that's already in the storyline. It was telepath. Yeah, like telepathy. Telepathy. And then uh, I think it was Professor X had some cards that were really neat. Beast had some cards that just give him wilds. All of them had something special, like Storm was able to do damage anywhere in the locations, not just the one she's on or even adjacent. So they have some cool little special things, and I'm interested to try it some more. I am really surprised because this game has a an age range of 14 and up, but I could definitely see teaching this to maybe a 9, 10-year-old. The concepts really aren't that difficult. Now, again, it is difficult to win, and maybe if somebody doesn't have the most the emotional maturity to handle not winning a couple of times, maybe it's not for them. Yeah. But I could definitely see you playing this with maybe someone as young as even 8. It's really not a complex game. It's really a simple game to understand and to play. But again, to win, it might be a bit of a challenge, which is good. It is very good. But yeah, I mean, you know, I I don't always recommend, and by that I mean I never recommend buying from Amazon for the most part. I broke my own rule here because it was $10. It's very worth that $10. I don't know if I would personally consider it worth a full the full $40. Um, there's, there are 
amazing minis in the box. It's good cards. It's all great production. And it is a fun game. I just think it's not one of those games where like the full retail price to me feels 100% worth it. However, for a lot of you, it might, but I do think it is a great like cooperative game to have for people that aren't gamers or sometimes just to have a fun cooperative experience that's not, you know, talking to a dying man and Billy Kerr. It's not repeating pandemic for the, you know, umpteenth time. It's something new and different and fun and you can kind of go in and have fun with it. And I think it's definitely worth checking out. Same here. Communicate as you fight. Yeah. Teamwork. Hey, what can I get you? I'd like a topic. Any special way? Make it a top shelf topic. Coming up. Enjoy. So the topic of this week's episode is fighting in games. This was a topic that I came up with and I want to differentiate this. This is not necessarily fighting in general. This is not displaying uh, war fighting or it's not displaying you no know, fighting between groups. I wanted to talk about the concept of hand-to-hand combat in games. Fighting mono e mono, you, me, and my hands. Which honestly is not something represented a lot because I feel like it's just very hard to do. Yeah, and in this game, uh, what Dalton was saying earlier, you know, you're you're playing the superheroes going against the supervillain, uh, and as a supervillain attacks, you lose cards, and I think that is representing, you know, getting knocked in the head, you know, getting injured in the game. So as you get injured, as you get hurt, you have to lose some mobility, you have to lose some power, you're not as agile, you're not as good at hitting, and so of course you want to lose some cards. So X-Men does a really good job of showing this in that you slowly are losing your abilities until you get knocked clean out. Now, once you wake up, you can be a little more refreshed. I don't know how accurate that is in real life, but when it comes to actually being knocked down until you're knocked unconscious, I think it does a really good job of displaying that. I think it does too. Uh, I think in real life, the only way to equate this game where you come back with four cards and in life it's almost like you're coming back in with more knowledge. That's kind of how I took it. You've got the experience now and you're better prepared for the next time. So maybe that makes sense. I don't know. Um, So instead of bringing a knife to a gunfight, you bring a lifesaver. There you go. But it's one of those things that the fighting isn't represented a ton. Now there are some fighting games. We have one called Pixel Tactics. Um, There is, that's from Level 99 Games, the same people who do Millennium Blades. They also have another game series that I think is uh, looks really neat. I want to try it, but the the last the only name I can think of is Endines, like Fate of the Endines or something like that. But essentially, it's like Street Fighter, the board game, and I think that Pixel Tactics is the same way. I could be wrong there, but it's essentially like Street Fighter, the board game, two people back and forth where you have to you know work down that health bar essentially. I've never gotten to play that, so I don't know more about it, but that's the closest I've found to true one-on-one combat. Uh, A game that I do want to give a shout-out to in this regard, even though it's obviously presented differently, but is Flesh and Blood, because Flesh and Blood, the card game, which I'm a fan of, uh, its whole premise is you are each this person fighting one another, and it functions with health, because, you know, like Magic the Gathering, you're supposed to be two wizards bringing creatures, blah, blah, blah. They both, like, function with health, And that's Flesh and Blood's thing. You know, when you lose all your health, you lose the game. Makes sense. But something that I think Flesh and Blood does very interestingly is you only have a hand, I think, I think every hero but one, you only have a hand of four cards, which is not a lot. But when your opponent is attacking by using these cards uh, to either buff an attack and then attack or whatever, you know, you're not summoning creatures, you're not doing this, you're actually doing these attacks. If you defend with a card from your hand, 
you don't draw up until the end of your turn. So when you defend with a card from your hand, you're taking that basically that energy, what you're prepping to do, and you're getting rid of some of it to defend this attack to take less damage that you can then turn around and try to fight back. But now you have less cards to do so, and there, after attacking you, they're going to refresh their hand up to four. So it's a very interesting back and forth of feeling like you're losing your defenses before your attack, but then once you attack, no matter how strong or weak, you're going to be ready to defend. And it's a very interesting back and forth, but I find that kind of has a, a fun way of illustrating the, the fist fight. Absolutely. It has the preparation, the loss, the uh, guarding yourself, the arming yourself. It's, it's very much a back and forth kind of thing. A swing, 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 swing. Yeah, it really is, which is crazy. Uh, one that you had brought up yesterday, too, was Flick 'em Up. That one seems to be a good one-on-one combat game, too. Even though Flick 'em Up is technically like, a, you know, it's a shootout game and there's a group of people. When I originally talk, talked fighting in games, my thought process was talking about taking damage in games. Because in this Marvel United X-Men, you take damage by taking a card from your hand, sometimes randomly, putting it on the bottom of your deck. That was a really interesting mechanic to me because when you're out of cards, you're knocked out. Flesh and Blood. I liked how not necessarily taking damage, but when you were defending that damage and trying not to let it all come through, you're slowly losing your attacking ability at that point, which can be bad, but is really interesting. Flick 'em up is another example of a ways that uh, a way that fighting can happen that's not just health points. It's literally one hit and that character's done. That's a nice and simple, but it's a dexterity game which I feel like brings in a whole a whole other thing which is, you know, I don't know, it's just very different. But I actually brought up a list here of like different games that have fight mechanics and tried to look at them by their rank. The problem is a lot of games that considered are considered to have fighting mechanics actually have like group fight mechanics, like Spirit Island, where you're basically saying, you know, this, this one does two, this one does one, here's the two armies, and you just like remove based on number sort of thing. Uh, Scythe is pretty decent at that because Scythe, if you move a mech, where somebody else has a mech and you have combat, you both dedicate a number of your power and a card and then higher number wins and that's it. It's like pretty simple. You resolve it by people just backing away. So there's different ways to represent it, but I think when it comes down to it, all of the games that we could talk about on here, mechs versus minions, you know, you're running around with your programming trying to kill all the minions, which I still love. With all the games we could talk about and all the things we can get into, I think the biggest thing for me is that it's it's been very hard to find a game that not that I've been in a fist fight because I haven't, but that really feels like that close combat between the characters. There's cool ways of representing pieces of it, but I've I have yet to find one that really has that uh the oomph to it that really has that back and forth uh a feel. I don't know, and maybe we're just missing one. Yeah, because like if you think about a fist fight, and I haven't been in any myself, but I've seen. Many of fist fights being a middle school survivor as well as an attendee of metal shows. Of course. And so what you see in fist fights is often it lasts about 15 to 30 seconds. Yep. There's a lot of quick movement. People get tired easily. And uh, it's a lot of back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth until somebody just automatically do, 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 do. Almost think about it like a sped up form of chess. Back, forth, back, forth, back, forth. <laughs> until Speed the chess. end, it's like, oh, shit, this person's winning and then just destroys you. I mean, basically, yeah. And so I think you're right. There's not really a lot of games that uh, I feel like really recreate that experience. And we talked about recreating experiences in games a while back. And not that we condone violence or anything, but I do think that would be a very interesting game if you can recreate that feeling of a, a quick fist fight. And like I said, there's games, you know, those those Indines games from level 99 that are like the video game fighting game. 
there's the element of losing a card in this one when you take damage, I think is an interesting thing you could do. The way that flesh and blood, you lose cards when you defend, but then you get to refresh after attacking. I think that's interesting. There's so many little interesting ways you can do it that's not just, I'm going to give you attack, you lose some health. You're going to give me attack, I'm going to lose some health. And you do that back and forth, right? There's other ways that you can introduce it. So I feel like there's something out there. And honestly, it makes me wish I had more experience with games that had one-on-one fighting, but it's just so rare. People love the war style of the game, the the skirmish, the my army versus your army. I'm going to roll a bunch of dice and we're going to shoot at you. And that's just a massive part of the game world. So I feel like we're just, we're missing a piece. Because in a fist fight, there's might be training, there might be understanding, but there's no real strategy in that moment. Like, you might have some moves. You might have, like, this is what I do to protect myself. This is what I do to knock somebody over. This is the most effective punch. Punch for the back of the head. But you're not coming at a fist fight with strategy. This guy, it's, it's not like in Sherlock, the first Sherlock Holmes movie where he's, like, calculating <laughs> right. the moment. Okay, he's going to step here, step here. If I step here, then I'm going to hit his elbow and he's going to fall over and it's going to be seam- seamless. That's not really how fights work in real life. And I haven't f- fought, but I've been in sparring and a couple of different martial arts. And sparring is not like that. And so I feel like in, in the game, like that would, when you look at war games, it's a lot of strategy. It's a lot of long-term planning. Well, that's not really not how fist fights are. It's really not. I think the closest you could get would be like professional fighting, boxing, MMA. Even then, it's not to that same level. However, you might know what your opponent favors, mm-hmm. things like that. But you could represent that in a game so easily. I say so easily, where each character has a trait that only that character has. Oh, this one's left-handed. You immediately now know what the lead hand's going to be, if they throw a haymaker where it's coming from. So I feel like that there's ways to present that. But that's the only, the only not counter argument, but that's the only side to that is in professional sports, when at a high level, there is a lot of strategy, but it's still so reactionary, no matter what, because it's, uh, you know, muscle memory is not a real thing. It's actually your brain is just telling your muscles what to do. Your muscle has no memory itself. I always find that to be interesting. But it's the fact that your brain has learned this well enough for you to react as if you were planning on something happening. Does that make any sense? Yes. And are we about to stay up until midnight brainstorming this game? No, but we'll have to figure something out at some point. We have to do this. Yes. (laughs) I have ideas now. I need my notebook. But it's it's fascinating. I wish there were more one-on-one fighting in games. Uh, However, it's fun to find interesting mechanics when it comes down to it. And I'm hoping to find more. Let's get a fight. And now, join us. For a Malt House Games podcast special, bite size question. Speaking of getting into a fight, the question of this episode comes from my tired brain. If you were to have to master some sort of fighting style, whether that be a martial art um, or boxing or something like jujitsu or whatever, what would it be? So I've practiced or studied or taken classes, whatever, in two different martial arts, one of those being Taekwondo whenever I was a a young child, and the other one being Jiu-Jitsu. And for me, I feel like Jiu-Jitsu fits more with me and my body type and my style. One, because I'm squirrely as hell, but two, because whenever I would spar with Brian, I, I know that he didn't go, you know, ham 100% on me, but I do feel like I could survive a little better doing jujitsu. Jujitsu teaches you, you know, how to keep yourself close to where you can take punches. It teaches you how to control your opponent. It teaches you, too, a lot of things that will help you to just either hold them until you can get help or get the hell away. 
And so I feel like that's more of what I want. I don't want to go into a fight. I, I don't want to beat somebody up. I don't want to get into a bar fight. I don't want to be an antagonist. I just want to survive. And if I can hold somebody in place or put them in an arm lock for a while, my little scrawny arms, like, for example, uh, Brian taught me an Americana. It's one of the, the locks, one of the arm holds. Yeah. And uh, one afternoon I went to uh, Delton's parents' house and I put his brother who works in construction, his dad who does like 8,000 push-ups a day, and his dad's friend all in this arm lock and none of them could get out. And me, I'm a scrawny 115-pound gal, and I was very happy to know I could put them in that arm lock and hold it there. And again, my goal was not to hurt them. My goal was to hold them, and they could not get out of it. And so that gave me the confidence to be like, okay, well, if I was ever in a pickle, if I can just get them in this lock, I'm good. I, I can at least hold them or at least scare them and let them know that I, I'm not going to go down without a fight. And so for me, I think it'd be jujitsu because that seems to really click with my body size, my body type, and so far it's been effective. 10 out of 10 stars. Well, that's one of those moves too that you learn how to use their own body against them because in the position that your arm goes in in that spot is like the weakest for trying to get out of it, right? And I, it teaches you how to utilize that against somebody in, if you ever needed to and that's why jujitsu is like perfect for you is just a self-defense thing to have in your head, yeah. you know, I think. Um, if my body could handle jujitsu, I think I would like it. I know immediately I would hurt way too much and it would just, and I'd end up tearing a hammy or something. Pulling a hammy. Moons over my hammy. Moons over my hammy. I'm mini moons. Cause I would, <laughs> I would just need both my legs chopped off. You would destroy my knees completely. I'd be cotton hill with my feet sewn to the bottom of my thighs. Yes. I kill fitty men. Um, but so what jujitsu? But not with jujitsu. I, if I did. Uh, if I did a, any kind of martial art or anything like that, I don't really know that there's many uh, that I would actually enjoy learning because a lot of them are very, uh, I don't know, I mean, just in general. It'd be hard. If I had to learn one, honestly, this sounds very basic and also very American, but I just think like learning the, the, the good basics of boxing would be cool. I don't want to get punched in the head. I don't want to spar with anybody. That sounds like it's going to hurt my brain and my soft little squishy spots. But I think learning boxing and the proper techniques and how to utilize your your hip shift and your foot placement and your weight and everything to, you know, be able to successfully read someone's, you know, how they're punching and, and respond in that way. I just seem, it seems kind of fascinating. Like boxing is a very American sport and it just, it, I don't know. It feels like if I had to go to a gym and learn one, that's one that I could successfully go and learn without feeling like my body's falling apart, but also be able to get something from it. So I think I'd probably choose that as boring of, as, of an answer as that is. I could be like, I'm going to learn Muay Thai or I'm going to learn Jeet Kune Do but I couldn't handle those. I know myself, but boxing, I could at least handle learning some boxing. Absolutely. And I, I have my little speed bag in the living room and sometimes between clients or between sessions, uh, I like to go in there and hit a few rounds and move on my feet. And it is really fun too. Oh, for sure. That stuff's always kind of fun. So long story short, Delt and I do not plan on getting into any fights anytime soon. No. We can maybe hold our own for a little bit or at least pretend like we know what we're doing. I'm just going to do pro wrestling moves. Oh, yes. German suplex. suplex. Yeah, German suplex. Kill them and myself. That's, <laughs> that, that's going uh, to be the name of my biography is right there. German yes. suplex. Kill them and yourself. And it's like, oh, God, what's happening? But yeah, no, uh, that, that would be it. I can hold my own. I can hold my own with a random 
wrestling move or two, maybe. You you have some wrestling moves, and you have those like random ass moves that your dad taught you from fighting in the seventies in Vietnam. Yeah, he taught us random little uh, self defense things back in the day. Uh, I'm probably not fast enough to do them now because I've lost all my speed at everything. <laughs> but it's fine. I'll just use direct eye contact. That's my most powerful weapon. That's a very good weapon. We've seen that in action several times. Oh yeah, I have. I have used direct eye contact to ward off strangers and ward off people who were following me into stores. You just turn around and you stare right at them, and you don't blink, and they will leave. It's happened twice. Yep, I've seen it. I've witnessed it. Very, very scary moments of Haley just showing somebody, giving them the whatnot. With eye contact. There you go. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, I think that that's going to be it for this episode. I need to put what our question was in here, type our beers in my spreadsheet, uh, and then I'll have to edit this this weekend before it comes out on Sunday, October 2nd. And above all, we need to go to bed. We do need to go to bed. I'm very tired, and this is taking longer because we had to re-record some spots because we're tired. (laughs) (laughs) But it's fine. But yes, so thank you so much for tuning in and listening to the Malthouse Games Podcast, episode number 128. Hopefully you enjoyed our talk about Marvel United X-Men, our talk about fighting in games, even though I feel like there was hardly any examples. I at least feel like we told you what we liked about it and what we're missing. Or put the need into the universe. Or put the need, the need for Tweed. I've been quoting that way too much from (laughs) from the office. Uh, Anyway, thank you so much for tuning in and listening. Make sure to follow us on social media at Malthouse Games, M-A-L-T-H-A-U-S Games. Make sure to find me at Delton Brack, D-E-L-T-O-N-B-R-A-C-K. You can find Haley at S-Q-U-I-R-R-E-L-Y-G-E-E-K. That is at Squirrely Geek. If you have a game you think we need to look at, a topic you want us to cover, a question you want us to answer, a beer you think we should find, you can send all of that to contact at malthousegames.com. Send us an email there, and I will be sure to get it and probably not respond, but I will read it at least because I'm very bad at responding at things. Uh, like I said earlier, you can head to patreon.com slash games to check that out if you're interested. Otherwise, just please like, share, and subscribe. Tell your friends about us. Uh, follow us on wherever you can and give us a review on Apple Podcasts because that stuff helps us out. Hell yeah, brother. I think that that's everything. Uh, we're going to get out of here so I can go read some comics before I go to sleep. But until next time, sit back, relax, grab a drink, and play some games. We'll see you folks later. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.